it's on you. Come on now. Come on. Come on. All my altos out there, they're worthy. All my altos out there, you're worthy. All my altos out there, they're worthy. Sing, oh. He's worthy. Come on. To receive glory. Yeah, forever. Forever. All my sopranos out there. We give you glory, sopranos. We give you glory. Come on, out there for the rest of our days. We magnify you. We glorify you. We adore you. We exalt you forever. Come on, all three parts. Him is worthy of glory. Worthy of glory. Worthy of all. Sing up. Wonderful, mighty God. Prince of peace, counselor. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. Come on. You're worthy. Come on. Shout the rooftops on 45th Street. Three parts. Everybody, thou worthy. Sing the song. Yeah, Prince of Peace Council. I hear you, 45th. Come on, he deserves your highest praise. See, shout the rooftops out. Come on, one more time. And worthy of glory. Sing the song. You wouldn't be here today. Sing the song. Come on, he's adored. He's worthy. Forever. Forever. And ever, and ever more, more. He deserves it. Give him your highest and best praise. Give him your highest and best praise.
So, uh, we're not crying because we're mad or upset. This is just so grateful for how good God has been. So thankful for how he's worked in our lives. This might not be your day to celebrate like that, but it's today is our day to celebrate. So we've been celebrating with Jeremiah, his birthday this week. Now that might not mean anything to you unless you live Jeremiah's life. The fact that he's 28 years old, I don't think Jeremiah imagined the life that he was living, that he was gonna be 28 years old, let alone working on this job he's got for the last three years taking care of his responsibility. We were just messing with him this week. Karen and I called him. I'm telling this, I don't care if it embarrasses him, embarrasses him, because this is something to be embarrassed about. And we were just messing with him because we saw him online hanging out with his friends for his birthday. And so we just called to tell him we were proud of him and that we loved him. And we hung up the phone and Jeremiah called me back in tears. Just grateful, just grateful that God had been, has been so good to us. I see he's still just as full today as he was when he called back. Celebrate, see, don't call him squid no more. <laughs> don't call him squid. This is Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah and God has Mighty thing planned for Jeremiah. Mighty things. You want to say something? You don't have to. You can preach if you want to. Go ahead. Give it up for Jeremiah. Since he got here. I don't know that there's been anybody more on fire for this church and what we do around here than Jeremiah. Even when, I, when he gets mad at me because I tell him truth. Because I read him and I tell him you need to tighten up on this. So, and he gets mad at me for a little while and then he come on back around. But he, God, didn't, God put him here for us to help him. And if we won't tell him truth, then we're not helping him. But, but he's the loving kind of guy who accepts it like anybody, it hurts for a little while, and then he digests it, and he does it. He does it, and so be proud of him if you know the journey he's had. If you know what he's been through, then you would be turning backflips that he, on a Sunday morning, is here working every Sunday trying to do right. And our community is full of Jeremiah's. They just need somebody to give them a sense of, what he say? Belonging. Yeah. He doesn't have anything else. He knows he's got us. He knows that. He knows it. So we thank God for Jeremiah. This has been a full morning already. Already. But it's church, y'all. I'm sorry. Gotta preach. 
I'm not going to even say I'm not going to be long, though I'm not. Because y'all think that's cold, so he about to preach a long time. Sometimes it is. Truth be told, most of the time it's not my intention. I simply want to convey to you what the Lord has given me. And I think I would be remiss today if I didn't tell you that there's Bible behind what this man of God talked about today. You can go through scripture and identify people in scripture who have suffered from depression and other issues in scripture. So today I want to identify one from you. Everything's in the Bible. Everything's in the Bible. If you know how to look, you know how to research it properly, you can identify what people have gone through. I can sit here and name three or four people that you know of. You know their name, but you don't know that they were they suffered from depression. Moses suffered from uh, depression. David is famous. King David is famous like Abraham Lincoln for suffering from depression. In fact, many of the Psalms you read now that bring you joy, that uplift you, were written when the world was all over him. And then this one we want to talk about today comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Really, it involves pretty much the whole the story is the whole chapter, but I'll summarize that for you. And I'm going to read these three verse, these few verses for you, five verses for you, so you can get an understanding. Now Ahab and Jezebel. Anytime you start reading about Jezebel, you ought to say, "Uh oh." Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. What you say? That ain't cute. Don't name no daughter Jezebel, all right? Okay, that is in the book. <laughs> name nobody Jezebel. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow, I'm just going to summarize, I don't kill you. Look at this, verse 3, 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there, while he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed, look at this, that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. We find out from Scripture, especially starting in Genesis, there are a whole lot of emotions that the writers display. I've consistently tried to relate to you 
that you cannot look at the Bible one-dimensionally. You have to look at these people as people who go through the same issues that you and I, maybe not in the same cultural context, but they had the same kind of issues we had. They had family problems. They had personal problems. And still, in light of those issues, they still had to do what God ordained them to do. Because I don't want you to think that God's picking on you, that he's expecting you to do something and all your life has this other stuff going on. Because if he calls you to do something, he's going to cause you to do it. He's going to bless you to be able to do what he calls you to do. He's going to resource you. He's going to protect you. And that doesn't mean you won't go through anything because he doesn't need to protect you if you don't go through anything. But he's going to take care of you. The Holy Spirit has chosen emotions as his means of expressing himself. Think about it. Think about all those fruits of the Spirit. And our goal is to control our emotions. How many of you will agree with me that in the time you found yourself in some of the worst stuff, you probably didn't control your emotions like you should? Raise your hand. That's me. I know that's me. Yeah, controlling your emotions will help you control your mouth, which will help you control your actions if we can control our emotions. But, but I don't know about you, but I've been in places sometimes where I tried all I could. I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I tried real hard. I tried my best, and I failed. And I walked away from those circumstances, and they were jacked up when I went into it, and worse when I walked away, because I didn't keep me in check. Sometimes life just jumps all over you. Jesus had the same emotions we did. He, you can go through scripture, you can see he experienced sorrow, grief, loneliness, frustration, anger, all these things, love, and of course, concern. Scripture said it out, to move with compassion. That's how it leads into his next action, all right? But some of us are on emotional treadmills, all right? And so today, just for a minute, I'm talking to you about emotion sickness, Emotion sickness, <laughs> all right? Emotion sickness, because that's what we, we suffer from. You ever had motion sickness, actual motion sickness? If you've ever experienced motion sickness on a plane, or maybe if you've been on a boat on the water, it's something that doesn't go away. Uh, it's hard. If you can't get on top of it beforehand, once it starts rolling, it's rolling, and no matter what you're doing, then there's the other stuff that comes with it. You know, I'm already, my head is swimming, and because my head is swimming, I can't control, I feel like I'm about to throw up, I can't stop myself from throwing up. And, and, and then folks are saying, well, try to eat something. <laughs> well, you know, I can't eat nothing, because what, what I ate coming back on me. Oh, it's a struggle. And just like you have those physical issues, when you have motion sickness, you have the same kind of issues when you have emotion sickness. Okay. Yeah, just when it starts rolling. I told you a minute ago, when you think you can get it under control, some other symptom comes along. You don't hear good when you got emotion sickness. 
You don't see good. Your vision is distorted. Someone may be actually coming trying to help you, and you perceive them as a threat when they come. Why? Because your vision is distorted. Your reason is off balance. People are telling you, listen, 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 and you don't hear that because all you can hear is the distorted version of whatever it is you're thinking at that time. And it's not until you can get you under control under those circumstances that you can start to, to recover. The man who's the center of this discussion today, his name is Elijah. Even though we see his story in the Bible, it doesn't mean he is altogether, even though he's considered one of the foremost prophets of the Old Testament, it doesn't mean he was perfect. You need to hear me now, because sometimes you see folk and all you read or see is their glory, but we don't take the time to read the rest of their story. And in his story, he had some issues. He had a wide range of emotions, including depression. And here he is, we find him in this 19th chapter. Let me tell you how we get to this place in the 19th chapter where a woman named Jezebel can threaten his life and send him running into the woods to hide. It's amazing that he had just had one of the best victories of his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then here comes Jezebel. Jezebel was married to the king, and his name was Ahab. I hope you heard when I started reading the scripture, Ahab was running to tell Jezebel what happened. You know somebody said, run, tell that. Yeah. He, the king was running to tell the queen. Who do you think was really running the kingdom if the king had to go tell the queen what was happening? Let me read to you what the Bible says about Ahab, who was on the throne for 22 years. This is what scripture, the, the writer wrote. He did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of those before him. 22 years of pure, unadulterated evil was done by Ahab with Jezebel at his side. She was known as an evil woman. That t-shirt, evil, when she came out. That's what it said. Make no bones about it. She was awful. Not only was she awful and evil, she brought idol worship into the kingdom. Clearly, she was the power behind the throne. And together, they made an awfully wicked team of terror. This is what Elijah had to deal with. Let's suffice to say there was a big battle. We'll get to the chase scene. There was a big battle between Jezebel and all her prophets. All her prophets. And she had, she had prophets all over the kingdom. But suffice it to say that Elijah conquered and defeated every one of them with the Lord guiding him. And so he had just killed all her prophets after, we'll say, a showdown. And after realizing that all her prophets had been killed, she issued out a death sentence on him. 
And despite the fact that he had the God of the universe behind him, despite the fact that God had just given him a decisive victory, despite the fact that he didn't lose, he won, he still took to flight because a woman threatened his life. Now, first of all, that ought to tell you how evil she was because he knew if she said it, she's evil enough to do it. Now, some people, you know, they issue idle threats all the time, but Jezebel wasn't no idle threat issuing kind of chick. Nah. Nah, she made sure she was going to get him, and she gave him a period of time. She said, in 24 hours. Yeah, by the time I go get my nails done tomorrow evening, you're going to be up out here. But isn't it like that when we get a problem? Doesn't it seem like everything is in a, on a hurry-up clock? It seems like things are just coming at us so fast. There's some things that I identified in this story between Jezebel and between Elijah. And I want to pull them out for you and show you. He ran into the woods, and the Bible said he took his folks with him. He had a little entourage that helped take care of him. And he took them to the edge of the woods, and then he told them to stay there. And then he left and went further into the woods for some peace, some solitude. Uh, and some interesting things happened while he was in the woods by himself. Can I tell you this? Sometimes you need to leave your crowd alone. All right? Sometimes it just needs to be you and the Lord. You need to get the clutter out of your head. You need to get the people out of your head. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't have good ideas. It doesn't mean they don't want to help you. But sometimes the help you need doesn't have skin on. Sometimes the help you need is from above. And that's what he did inadvertently, inadvertently now, because at this point he's not thinking straight. But I want you to learn from what he did on how you can experience a breakthrough when you have a breakdown. He had a breakdown at this point, a breakdown in faith. In fact, within the period of time that it took him to kill all of Jezebel's prophets and to come back, he should be celebrating. But in that period of time, he had a breakdown. And he had to get out of town once he had this breakdown. He had to go find out. And the reason is, she snatched his hope from him. The threat told him something that he wasn't even sure about himself. The threat told him that he wasn't able to do anything about Jezebel. Look at this. You can't beat your enemies by yourself. No matter how many victories you've had before, stop thinking that it's you who's doing it. If it had not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't have the victories that you have, that you've had in the past, all right? But look, let me tell you this. Fighting your enemy takes all your strength. And the first thing you're going to see that Elijah was depleted physically by his victory. They just wore him out. He needed to get away from everybody so he could do, look at this, he could rest. We underestimate rest. We underestimate the healing power that comes from simply getting away from everything. Rest is an essential component to health. I just read this week, this week or last week, an article where scientists have determined what the body does when you sleep. 
when you sleep, how it cleanses itself. It's almost as if the body does a reset to get you back in line again. Sleep is important. Can you imagine, can you imagine every now and then, those of you, how many of y'all got computers in here? Everybody, anybody don't have a computer, probably easy to say that. Every now and then you get this prompt on your, on your computer or on your cell phone that says, it's been seven days since you reset. Yeah, you need to restart your phone. And what happens when you restart your phone? It kicks out all the stuff that's unnecessary. It realigns the things the way they should be because in our effort to utilize these devices, we get stuff out of order all the time. And uh, these phones we have now are just computers in our hand. And you have to reset them so that they operate in the way that the manufacturer intended them to operate. Hello, I hope you see where I'm going with this. You have to reset yourself by getting some rest so you can operate in the way that the manufacturer intended for you to operate when you continuously deprive yourself of rest then you're not operating at optimum level can i tell you something about about me i've realized this that the older i've gotten it seems i need less sleep this isn't good this isn't good let me tell you why because it keeps my motor running too long and the older I get, the more wear and tear there is on my motor, which means it needs more rest, not less. I know this because I, I looked up on this determination one day when I ended up getting too much sleep. And I realized that I operated much better when I forced myself to get more rest. Oh, this is something I'm suggesting to you that you need to do for yourself. And here we are, Elijah, who is depleted by victory, or depleted by, and so he runs into the woods. Not only is he depleted by victory, church, he also is disconcerted by fear. Oh, yeah, she's got him off kilter. She got him running. Yeah. And you got 24 hours. You're a dead man. I got you. If you anywhere around here in 24 hours, you gone. I don't care how strong you are. When people issue threats against you, that's disconcerting. That throws you off. It puts you in a place. And here he is, a mighty man of God who had done so many things. Can I, I can't even go into telling you how many wonderful things Elijah had done with the Lord, how many miracles he had performed. I can't even go into all that. And yet this same man of God who's had so many victories with the Lord is afraid of a woman. A woman who had no supernatural ability, she just evil. Just evil. And he's afraid of her. But not only was he disconcerted by fear, he was disabled by his isolation too. All right? Now he needed the rest, but being off by yourself means one thing. That means you only have yourself as counsel. This is why you got to make sure your mind is recharging and you're okay because all you'll do watch this is rehearse your problem over and over and over again you're trying to as we say uh, uh chew, chew the cud roll it over and over again and all you're getting is the same old thing 
You're going to have to get to a place where you can seek counsel from somebody who can help guide you through those circumstances. And the last thing he was struggling from is he was devastated. This, now this man, this one who, who has been, who's been depleted by victory, who's also disconcerted by fear. He's also struggling because he's been disabled by isolation from being able to seek good guidance. This same man is also devastated by self-pity. Oh yeah, he's, he's, look, he's saying, look, I'm Elijah. After all I've been through with God, why am I in this situation? Why am I feeling these circumstances? Why am I struggling? And so he said, Lord, I've had enough. Been too many times now. Just go ahead. Take me. I'm through. This is it. And just like Johnny Cash went up to that, went up to that cave to lay down, the same thing happened with this brother. He had a victim mentality. I'm done. But in other words, what you're saying is, why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? As if it should be happening to somebody else. As if you're not the one that ought to go through any struggles or have any problems. You ever found yourself in that position? I have. I've had to sit and reason my way as best I could to a place of understanding that I'm no better than anybody else. Things happen to folks every single day. And if you find yourself thinking that bad things only happen to other folk, as granddaddy used to say, just keep living. You'll find, I know that some of you in here have been going through incredibly difficult times. Can I tell you something? The Lord told me to tell you today, he's not picking on you. He doesn't have you in a place just to say, I want you to go through some struggles. But there's a test you're going through on and on the other side of this test, I'm not trying to be cliche, you're going to have a testimony you can tell someone, but you got to know how to make it through these circumstances. And so there's a prescription that the Lord gave him on how to get better. All right? There's a prescription that he wrote for him uh, to get him out of these woods he found himself in. Now, he was physically in the woods, but some of us have been in the woods in our house. Some of us have been standing behind trees on our job. Some of us have been struggling in the cave, and we're just here in the church. I hope you hear me now, because people walk through this door every Sunday depressed, get up and leave depressed again. They never grab the rope of hope that's thrown to them. And I came to tell you today that it's still out there. The Lord is still blessing you. But look at this prescription he gave to him. The first thing he wrote for him was a prescription for rest. Sit down somewhere. Sit down somewhere. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to sit down somewhere. You're right. I agree. I agree. Now, now you shouldn't have said that if you ain't been doing nothing. You just following the crowd now. You know what you've been doing. You know how you've been exhausting yourself, if you have. You know what you've been struggling with. And every now and then, you got to cause yourself, make yourself, demand of yourself to sit down and get some rest. Let me tell you what's not rest, going on a trip somewhere. That ain't risk. Anybody that's ever been on a cruise ship, which I like, know you got to take a vacation 
when you come back from the cruise ship because all you do is hustle and run the whole time. And let me tell you what you say. You get up and you say, I didn't come this far to stay on this ship the whole day. So you got to get up and go and you, you, you pigeonhole with the times you eat. Oh, it's, it's, it's tough. The little sleep you get at night is hopefully all right if it ain't rocking too much. Oh, it's a struggle, and, and that's, not just, that's not just going on a trip like that. It's anywhere you go. People talking about, they, I'm going to Vegas and get me a few days off. No. No. Not in Vegas. Not in Vegas. That, 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 that's not happening. I left, the last time I was in Las Vegas at a conference, my flight left at about 5 o'clock in the morning, coming back this way, because I was trying to get back here, which means I had to leave the uh, hotel at about 3.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I came down, staying in the casino, because everybody's staying in the casino in Las Vegas, that don't mean. I came down, had to come through the casino, and it was folk down at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so like it was broad daylight outside. One dude was down there with oxygen on in a wheelchair. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. Was, there was no rest going on there. When I say rest, I mean, I mean, just get you to a quiet place. Say that, say that again, just shut it down, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, just get somewhere and be quiet, which is for some people frightening. If you're honest with yourself, some people don't know how to be quiet by themselves. You always think you got to have something going on, some noise in the background. You got to be talking to somebody. You got to be doing something. It's very hard for you to click it off. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'll acknowledge with you. I'm always struggling to turn something off. Finding a space and place where there's nothing going on is extremely difficult for me. Extremely difficult for me. In fact, one of the things not in my outline that I feel when I'm in those circumstances is guilt. Because I always feel like I could be doing something with this space. So I'm trying to make myself, and that's why when it comes to the holidays and you see me, uh, you see us leave town, that's been the best way I could figure out to get out of town, away from those obligations that I have. That's how I can get my best rest but it just depends on where we're going and, and and sometimes i don't help myself because we tired when we get back prescription number one rest 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 not only that look at this and and on verse five of chapter 19 i'm about to get out of here he says get up and eat get up and eat let me tell you something every now and then i want some food cooked on my stove Every now and then. This ain't got nothing to do with her. I can cook it myself. I can cook it myself. What I'm saying is, I'm tired of saying, uh, would you like some straws? Or would you like some french fries? Do you need any ketchup? I'm tired of every meal being a drive through somewhere. Every day. That's the most hated question in any household, I think. What are we going to have for dinner? Yeah. I want some grits and eggs. 
Yeah, I, listen, it's a struggle when you live this. I know these young folk live these fly lifestyles where they're always, it's from one drive through through another. And we, listen, this is what we say. Well, I'm going to spend just as much money if I go to the grocery store. And then I got to cook it, and then I got to do everything. But there's something rejuvenating about preparing a meal. I'm not saying it's valid for y'all, I'm just saying that's what folks say. Yeah. Something rejuvenating about cooking a meal, sitting down and eating that meal. All right. And then fussing over who's going to wash the dishes or whatever. I mean, all that come in too, but, but the point is, sit down somewhere. Eat a good meal. Eat a good meal. The second prescription is... Rediscover God. That's what Elijah had to do. Elijah had to reconnect with the God he had just disconnected from. It's almost like this. It's almost like this. I love this, this analogy. It's almost like Elijah had been vacuuming up all the problems in the community. Vacuuming up the problems, vacuuming up all the prophets. Got them all. It's almost like he got to the edge of where he was vacuuming, and the, and the cord came out the wall. He lost his power. And I know you've done this, you've experienced this before, where you've been getting down, making progress, and all of a sudden, you lose your power. Only way for you to get back on track is to go back and plug in. You got to plug back into the power source. And that's when you get your power to move forward. You and I have so much on our plate, so many things that we're doing, but at some point, you're going to have to discipline yourself to sit down and rediscover God. Rediscover the love of learning about him, not just from your own private study. You're going to have to discipline some, yourself to let somebody teach you more about the Lord than you know right now. And this is an ongoing thing. People say, well, I've been through Bible studies you know, all my life, go through another one. Learn some more. Understand it from a different perspective. That's simply the way it is. He went into a cave. And the Bible says that when he was in the cave, and that he struggled. And the Lord came to him talking to him in that place where he rediscovered him. And the Bible says that, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord asked him that. Verse 9. God already knew because he's omniscient, he knows everything, but he wanted Elijah to answer the question. And I came and posed that question to you. What are you doing where you are right now? Are you, are you helping yourself or someone else right now, or are you simply hiding in the cave? Nobody can answer this question but you. Remember now, Elijah was in a shaky emotional state at this point. And so he wasn't exactly sure of what was going on. And so I came to ask you, what cave are you in today? You in the cave of offense where you're mad at God or somebody else? you withdrawn from folk because you, you're angry with them? Or maybe you're in the cave of despondency. You're numb and isolated from, from people and from places trying to isolate. What cave are you in? Maybe the cave of comfort. I just don't want to give up my time. All right? Wrapped up in my own well-being, my own what I want to. Now, Elijah was in the cave running from a fool. 
Some of you might be dealing with that too. I don't take away the fact that some of you might be working with some Jezebels and some Ahab. And you want to stay away from them. Can I tell you, hiding from them is not going to solve your problem. You need somebody who's bigger and who's better than them. And as it happened, the Lord spoke to Elijah in a couple of ways. First of all, he spoke to him as wind rushing. Just like that light came through for Johnny Cash, wind came through. And the Bible says that wind came through, and it was no ordinary wind. It was the voice of God, all right? It was the voice of God that came through and spoke to him. And Elijah heard the Lord's voice. For some reason, TV has messed us up. That's why you got to get somewhere peaceable. TV has messed us up and made us think that God supposed to have this deep baritone voice when he comes to us and sound like Morgan Freeman or something like that when he's talking. It doesn't work that way. In this instance, God came to him in a whisper. That's why you got to get that noise away from you so you can hear him when he's talking to you. But God's power wasn't found in the wind. All right? He also caused an earthquake. To happen. He also caused fire. All sorts of natural things happen to get Elijah's attention. Now, I'm rushing because I don't want to go through all the details in this, but suffice to say that in this third prescription that he gave him, he allowed Elijah to connect back with him. And then the fourth prescription he gave him was to reassign him. He gave him some work to do. Oh, yeah, he said, now, now you got to get up from here and you got to go get busy. There's some more for you to do. I know you got to go back into the fray, but after you've rested, after you've reconnected with the Lord, after you've rejuvenated yourself, now it's time to get back and do something more for me. And he gave him something in that third prescription. He told him to go and anoint someone as king. And he said, it's time for us to get back on track with what we've been doing. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm looking forward to you getting back on track with the work that God has for you to do. I'm, stop hiding in the cave. Stop going to all sorts of alternative sources trying to hear God's voice to you. The problem is, some of y'all listen to too many voices thinking it's the voice of God talking to you. And it sounds like the Tower of Babel with everybody coming through. You need to know that when God wants you to hear him, you'll hear him. He'll come through loud and clear, but you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, ask him, Lord, please speak to me. And then the last prescription he gave him, I love this, in addition to giving him some work to do, he reassigned him to serve people. He gave him relationships. And so here we dovetail in the same place, the same place that Dale Wisely ended. He said, in, in general, what people need more than anything to be healthy is a sense of belonging. And what God gave to Elijah, the last thing he told him, to get out of this situation you find yourself in, if you want to get through this emotion sickness, is you need to be around people who care about you. You need to have relationships with people because people will help you get through the problems you have, right? Scripture says, let's not give up on meeting together. Don't stop coming to church. In fact, increase coming to church. Increase dealing with people. Make it a habit of coming. Encourage other people to come. 
and continue to do that even more, as the Bible says, as you see the day approaching. Some of you have been living with no emotional margins in your life. No emotional margins. And because of that, you got fractured friendships in your life. You got fractured relationships in your life. Broken relationships that are cutting across other aspects of your well-being. You got to go back and you got to make up for those situations. Some of you just simply need to find peace by going to say, I'm sorry. Say I was wrong. Say let's start over and let's try again. And I want to close with two questions as you seek emotional healing. The first one is for those of you who have not yet decided to follow Christ Jesus. All right? The same question that was asked in chapter 18, the one right before the one we're studying today. And this question is, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if there's another fake God out there, then follow him. But whichever one it is, you need to choose. Stop straddling the fence. Some people are just indifferent to God. That's exactly what happened to Elijah, and that's why he had to get back right. He had gotten to a place where he thought God didn't matter. He didn't really think that. Life made him think that. Going back and reconnecting in those woods and in that cave told him, in truth, that God was the only thing that does matter. And once you can get things together with him, the rest of your life tends to fall in line. And the first question was, how long will you waver between two opinions? And the second one is this simply, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Some people have been sitting on the sidelines too long. Just on the sidelines. Some people have been sitting in the cave of offense, been despondent, or just seeking their own comfort. If you sit in your cave, you won't walk in the spirit, and you'll run on empty. My challenge to you today is this. Don't stay where you are or walk in your own spirit. I'm challenging you today to learn how to walk with Christ Jesus. And if you didn't know it, he loves you. He's been waiting for you. He died for you. He died just for you. But he didn't stay dead. The scripture is very clear that after three days, he was resurrected again. And so I have the confidence of knowing that I serve not just someone who died for me. I can tell you right now, I serve someone who lives for me. Jesus Christ, what are you doing here? I know my purpose. Do you know yours? Max Carter said it like this, and then the doors of our church are wide open. God likes you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Today is your day. Now is your time. Here is your opportunity. We invite you first to become a member of the household of faith, to claim the invitation that was issued by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for you and was resurrected. And then secondly, we invite you to become a member of our fellowship here. We invite you to join the ranks here at 45th Street and let's help make this a better 
community, one person at a time. While the choir stands to sing this song right now, the doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. <laughs> 